Shonen Flop, where we talk about manga series and Shonen Jump that didn't make it big. I'm David. I'm Jordan. And this week, we're talking about SWAT, and we're joined by our guest, Audrey. Hi, everyone. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining us today. So, Jesus, SWAT, man. (laughs) That's me dropping my cup is the metaphor. This week's episode. This week's episode, yeah. (laughs) I always say that, but we're not even weekly. (laughs) This episode. This bi-week's episode. Bi-weekly shonen flop. There we go. (laughs) Every fortnight, we examine the flopping shonens. Shonen flop, where we uh, have our pinky raised the entire episode. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Fancy flop. Shonen flop. (laughs) Yes. I can already tell it's going to be a fun one. (laughs) Yeah. So, the manga that we are talking about in this episode is SWAT. Audrey, why don't you lead us off with how, like, you would describe the show? Okay, how I would describe it? First of all, show. (laughs) Oh, fuck, it's not a show. If this got an adaptation, I'd riot. (laughs) SWAT, we learn only on the, like, first page on a side note, stands for study otaku. It's never actually explained, but anyway, it's a Japanese term for a nerd who studies too much, which I think is exclusive to this manga. I've never heard of it anywhere else. I've never heard of this term ever before in my life. It is essentially a battle manga about an academic genius named Manabizaki Kyo. He is a brand new student at the notorious Skeleton High School, who's transferred in the hope of improving his chances of getting into the prestigious Tokyo University. However, it turns out that Skeleton High School isn't known for its academic rigor, but rather for constant fighting between students. Kyo and his group of friends now have to become the strongest fighters in the school to bring peace, all while balancing their studies. A series where nothing happens. Yeah. Like, technically, I guess that's what happens. It's kind of like Dark Mage, where I had to be really generous to describe what happens. Yeah. Because we don't actually really see any sort of plot progression. And this doesn't have the art of Dark Mage to make up for it. (laughs) So SWAT has a grand total of 20 chapters, plus an additional pilot chapter. Yeah. Which got greenlit after it ran in Shonen Jump. So that's on the fall of all the Japanese teenagers who liked it and voted for it. <laughs> I have no idea what about that one shot made them think, yeah, let's make a whole manga about this. Yeah. Maybe it was like there's like a really big SWAT community and they're like, finally some representation in manga. <laughs> Maybe this is a more widespread term, but yeah, I've never heard of it before. And the manga expects you to know to know it very well, too, because it uses it all the fucking time. Like, part of the reason why it's hard to remember the main character's first name is that they never call him that. They call him SWAT all the time. They don't even call him, like, Megane or something, like, Four Eyes, which is, like, in my experience, much more common for, like, insults to these character types in manga. Yeah. I think they call him Shitty Four Eyes a couple times. Still, like... Hence, you have nothing to complain about. I don't get it. (laughs) So it ran for a grand total of 20 chapters, which I think is generous, given the complete lack of direction. Yeah. It's another one where it's, like, really, you, like, look at things like Zipman or, like, Goldmarts, which were objectively a lot better than the series, and it got, like, five less chapters, and you're just like, what? How is this the one that made the three-volume cutoff? Yeah. At least with Beast Children, it's like, well, they had the Rugby World Cup in Japan. That was, like, one of my top five favorite moments of the show. Beast Children was, like, this really shitty rugby manga. Probably the worst manga we've ever read. And we were talking to Dan, our guest, and he was, like, a rugby expert. And we were like, Dan, any ideas why this ran so long? He's like, oh, yeah, it ran during the World Cup. So essentially, as soon as the World Cup ended, they canceled it. <laughs> like, literally the week after the, it ended. And I thought that was fantastic. Absolutely. <laughs> Sometimes I can describe, like, Golem Hearts or Robot Laser Beam. Like, you know, bless their hearts. You can at least say what happened during it. <laughs> this one, it's like, I couldn't describe the plot. I could just tell you what the setting was. Because there's just nothing else to it. That's a good point, yeah. It's much less that Manabizaki does anything as that things happen to Manabizaki for 20 chapters, and then it ends. Exactly. Speaking of the main character, whose name I can definitely not pronounce, I think that is a good segue into talking about the characters. Manabizaki is a fucking asshole. Yeah, he is edgy McGee. He, like, flips off everyone to show you how tough he is. He's also, like, a selfish, just asshole where it's like, I need to study because I'm a fucking genius and I'm gonna join NASA. He also sometimes is very interested in UFOs. Yes. He wants to build a UFO. I think that's actually something very important to talk about because he's incredibly stupid for being a self-proclaimed genius. Yeah. 
This guy's like, I want to go to NASA purely to build a UFO. That's his only goal. I want to study so I can get into Todai, so I can get into NASA, so I can build my own UFO. I was going to say, it's interesting because this like really contrasts with the main character of Dr. Stone in that they literally both have like the same dreams of like going to space and shit or building rockets. Except in Dr. Stone, the main character, you can tell he's actually an extremely smart person instead of the plot just telling you like he literally signs shit. And you're like, yeah, this is like a dude who could work NASA. I did want to mention when we're talking about the school and how fucking stupid he is, he joins the school. They changed it from the fucking one shot where it made sense that he got confused, kind of. (laughs) In the actual first chapter of the manga, he entered the school because he just misread something. It literally says 80% acceptance into Todai, and then underneath it, it says minus 120%. (laughs) He fucking got caught in, like, that legal text. It's not even, like, small writing. It's just as big as the writing above it. He would absolutely fall for a multi-level marketing scheme. So, like, the power system is called Resolve. If you're familiar with One Piece, it's, like, kind of like hockey where you can power weapons up using your spirit. And then just imagine he, like, becomes, like, a Cutco salesman, and he's using, like, his Resolve abilities to, like, show how awesome these knives are. Oh, God. One thing, and I was going to talk about this in the nitpick section, but I'll just say it now, is if he was already like a top 10 student in the nation, why did he have the slightest concern about his odds getting into this university? It's like having like a 4.0 and a perfect score in the SAT and be like, ah, oh, I still got to do more, you know, Harvard wants to think I'm interesting. <laughs> Jordan, would you like to talk about his best friend with small little helmet wearing beaten? Oh, you mean the Mega Man Metor? Yeah, it was Shada Toji. It was Shida Toji. Okay, so. Man, I wasn't even close. <laughs> So he has this friend named Iwashita Toji. So the big difference between the one shot and the main series is that in the main series, for literally no reason, he just puts on a hard hat and he wears that for the entire series. And my honest belief as to why he put on that hard hat is because there's literally nothing visually significant or noticeable about him. (laughs) It's true. Which is a big problem here, which we'll get into more. He basically just exists to tell you why you should like characters. Like, when the SWAT does something, like, that's accidentally kind of good or whatever, he's just like, ah, boss is nice. Yeah. I think you see the manga not having any ideas of his own and, like, stealing ideas from, like, things like Gintama and other successful where you have characters on the side sort of having internal commentary about it, except, like, in Gintama, it's actually funny. (laughs) Gintama was a very successful shonen series that actually just wrapped up last year after hundreds of chapters. And the reason why it's so successful is it is nominally about Japo-futuristic samurai in, like, the age of aliens. It's really cool. It's, like, a fun funky setting but what it basically made its like name for was its satire and it satirizes and parodies like extremely well-known series <laughs> without like any hiding of it like oh my god he's going super saiyan <laughs> wait this is the wrong series <laughs> it breaks the fourth wall it does all of that and so you have like characters in the side there who you know similar to I think what Iwashita is supposed to be here have commentary being like what are you doing this is like you know this other series or like th- this is like absolutely nuts but like in Gintama it's actually really funny and here it's just like bad writing yeah that's a good point because a lot of what this series feels like is bad satire yeah like it's making fun of other high school manga that like takes it too seriously but it's doing a really bad job sometimes it just decides to not be satirical yeah I think that's because it's not actually satire. It's just plagiarism. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Yeah. It's just laziness. It's just taking shit without understanding why it works. Yeah. (laughs) I was going to say, I like how, though, he becomes, like, manga friends, where pretty much, like, it's that manga thing where if you sit next to someone on, like, the first day of school, you become best friends. (laughs) And that's literally what happens in this series. I will give a little more credit to that, actually. He does get saved by Manabizaki from a fight. I guess, but, like, I don't understand, like, why anybody likes Manabizaki. I really don't. Speaking of not understanding why people like Manabizaki, the next character is uh, Hasuno. Does anybody have her first name? I just have Hasuno. Nene. You gotta watch me whip, and you gotta watch me Nene. 
Nice. She's basically like an ex-second-in-command of a gang that's in school. There are a ton of gangs in this school, and one of them is the Bats, and their former second-in-command is this girl named Hasuno. And she's hot. Well, she's supposed to be. She's like a pretty girl with black hair and large breasts. And the big thing is that, like, Manabizaki sees her, and it's like his first crush. And then she also is into him, and I have no idea why she's into him. Yeah. Genuinely seems like people are into him because he's strong. Speaking of him being strong, one thing we forgot to mention when we were going over him, he's strong because he's smart and he can calculate speed and directions and force or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and that allows him to punch through concrete walls. I had it in my notes how it like makes no sense that he's supposed to be like this genius fighter. He's clearly physically stronger than everyone else. So like there's no need for him to be tactical. It's like Dragon Ball Z where, you know, if you have stronger results, you're going to win. Yeah. They don't need to have this tactical element, which I think the author recognizes because it never really comes up. If you're going to have a character be smart and you're going to have that as a reason why he's going to win, you have to have them actually use the smarts in the fights. But that requires creativity and you actually have to think about, well, what would be intelligent in this situation? Right. Versus what actually happens. He shows his intelligence by just saying, there's a 40 point chance of me winning right now. There's a 22% chance of me succeeding if I punch you like this. Yes, there is an 80% chance of me thinking your series was terrible. (laughs) That low? Yeah. It's like if Robo from Robot Laser Beam was an asshole and not smart. Robo actually weaponizes autism, like, properly. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, sorry, I just, I thought that was important to note. Yeah. Nay, nay. She is, I think, by far the most ripped out of bleach looking character. Absolutely. Like, this art style is extremely similar, but if someone was like, hey, Kubo, the guy who makes bleach, can I copy your homework? And he's like, sure, but just change it a little. What this character looks like. Literally. She looks like, and this will only make sense if you've read bleach, she looks like Rukia with long hair and she has Orihime's chest, and that's literally her whole character. Pretty much. Why have a love triangle when you can just smash the two girls together? <laughs> yeah. I think she's also sort of the best character. I mean, again, grading on a massive curve here. Like, she's not a good character. I'm talking more in comparison. Yeah. I think an important thing to remember going into the series, if anyone does choose to check it out, is that all the characters have the personality of a wet paper bag. (laughs) You know, take every comparison here with, like, a grain of salt. Yeah, usually the bad series have something we call the Sora, which is from Beast Children, where Beast Children, all the characters were terrible, except there was Sora who is like probably like you consider him like a phone in character in like a good series but he was like a c minus so he was like the only passing character <laughs> and this series just legitimately doesn't have one the closest i have is hasuno so one of the things is that there's another character who shows up who looks exactly like her by the way except with a smaller chest and a slightly different hairstyle yep And the whole thing is that Hasuno taught her how to fight to stop being bullied, but it somehow dragged her into fighting more, I guess. Um, They don't really explain it. But Hasuno sort of develops a little guilt from that, which sort of gives her character a little depth. Yeah. Hasuno, as far as I can tell, has one personality trait, and that's liking Dongo. Dongo is, um, it's like a Japanese, uh, snack that's on a stick. <laughs> I thought the author was actually going to do something, like, creative or not, like, the easy route. You thought this author was gonna be creative. <laughs> and just have her admit her feelings instead of doing this typical, like, oh, does he like her, does he not shit that goes on for, like, a hundred chapters and be like, no, we'll actually have these characters admit their feelings, like, relatively early on in the series, finger quotes, because this was, like, the last, like, chapter. And then he just, like, bails at the last second. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? You almost had this character be interesting. There's a moment where, because the girl who looks exactly like Hasuno, but is not Hasuno, develops a crush on SWAT. Because again, literally everybody just falls in love with him despite him being a fucking asshole. And again, it's just because he's strong. The character starts to sort of get interesting because it's like, she likes him, but she refuses to admit to herself that she likes him, and he likes her, but he refuses to admit to her that he likes her. And then this other character comes in, and there's actually sort of a conflict between the characters, which is shocking. (laughs) Yeah, this other girl, her name's Okoku, if you would like to use her name instead of just going (laughs) other character. (laughs) I forgot to write her down in the character list, just because I was like, he kept throwing characters, and I'd write him down, I was like, oh, these characters never show up again, so What's the point? No, don't worry about it. Yeah, like, there's technically another, like, more major character, I guess, who's like a samurai. Yamakura. But none of this shit matters. I mean, I guess we should kind of cover Yamakura real quick. He's like Sasuke from Naruto. (laughs) 
where he's just kind of like a dark, laconic, you know, like a samurai type guy who's really cool. Except he's also like pervy and, and into like hot nurses. We can't have a flop without panty shot. Oh, yes, that's true. Actually, I think this is the first series we covered that's like really sexualized the women in like such like a blatant way. That is actually kind of surprising. Almost every series we've covered had no women in it. Robot Laser Moon had one named female character. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> <laughs> um, you get two choices. No women or bad women. <laughs> Basically, yeah. I guess it was Guardian of the Witch. That was just like such stupid fan service. Guardian of the Witch hated women, though. Let's make a manga about women being objects. The women's superpower is suffering, basically. Man, that was such a good call by the person who made Soul Eater to make the main character female. Yeah, Okubo? Okubo makes great decisions. Mako rules. Mako's a great character, yeah. There's a ton of other characters that come up, like antagonists that come up and, like, leave just as quickly. None of them are of note. Nothing in this series is of note. (laughs) It's the whose line is it anyway of manga, where nothing is real and the characters don't matter. To go into manga details, as we discussed, this was based on a pilot also called Squat, which had a few minor differences, but it's probably really not worth reading if you want to check this manga out. This manga was created by, and I'm going to butcher this name as always, Naoya Sagita, and he actually created quite a few series before and after this one. He created one called Zan, which was two volumes, Mitsuki Shinken, which lasted three volumes, and that was an etchy series, which kind of gives you a sense of why he draws the women that he does. (laughs) Of course. Etchy is like pervy manga without actual being porn. It's like... Softcore porn. Yeah, basically. And that was about a dude whose special ability was he could destroy women's clothing with his martial arts. <laughs> and the series called Majin Bone, a manga based on a children's card game. Audrey, I don't know if you have ever read any series or seen any anime based on card games, but it's definitely an interesting genre. Yeah. <laughs> I assume that's a joke, David. Yeah, the joke is that Audrey is on a podcast called Podigree, which literally covers the Yu-Gi-Oh! anime. Yeah. (laughs) And I am, in fact, the resident actual Yu-Gi-Oh! expert of that podcast. (laughs) I used to play Yu-Gi-Oh! pretty competitively until, like, the Exceed era. And then I was like, fuck this pendulum shit, bro. (laughs) Oh, God. I played for a while, and then the deck that I worked on all year, I left it in my pants, and it went through the washing machine, and I was devastated. And I was like, this is it. Sad. Jordan and I first, like, connected over Yu-Gi-Oh! Yeah. It's the universal equalizer. (laughs) Now I play magic and I feel far less abused and don't see any size 8 font on any card. Oh god. (laughs) I actually think about that where I'm like, oh fuck, I don't think I can read these cards nowadays because the font is so small. Dude, it's so small and it's so insanely verbose. Yes. In terms of the series itself, it ran from July 5th, 2010 to November 22nd, 2010 for 20 chapters and three volumes. A small note here on this series. Yes. A lot of people think of this as 2010's biggest disappointment in terms of Shonen Jump series especially. It currently has a 6.66 rating on my anime list. Yeah, I saw that. Hell yeah! Which I have to think, I have to think, is because of the funny Satan number and not because it's an actual representation of the quality, because that is an extremely generous rating for this series otherwise. Six. Six, six. <laughs> Iron Maiden, baby! The number of the beast! The number of the beast children. Let's compare, so I'm going to check the my enemy list of beast children. Beast Children has a 6.1, so I think people just cap out at a 6. Oh, they do the IGN rating scale. Yeah. <laughs> Where it's like anything below a 7, just don't even fucking bother, it's trash. Exactly. Jeez. Speaking of low ratings, Audrey, why don't you tell us your thoughts about why you feel like the series did not do very well? I won't talk too much about the art because, first of all, I think you guys think better of the art than I do, which I found to be some of the, like, least dynamic art in, like, in a fighting manga ever, where it's, like, one panel in particular I think of where someone's literally flying towards someone, and he's (laughs) perfectly parallel to the floor, and it's just, like, arms straight to his sides, and there's just, like, nothing happening. It, It literally looks like one of those memes photos of like the fruit hanging at night yeah <laughs> i remember that bananas hanging around in the darkness oh jeez. <laughs> <laughs> so i don't think that highly of the art but i know <laughs> <laughs> so when we talk about the art you gotta keep in mind we read beast children and as shitty as this art is it's better than beast children 
The other thing is this, and I can say this is someone who has a long and storied history in like BL circles. There are some real yowie ass proportions going on. <laughs> <laughs> can you define BL for the audience? Yeah, sure. BL stands for boys love. It is a broad term used to describe sort of a wide range of manga genres centered on gay male love. One of those is yaoi, which is generally speaking made for and by women <laughs> and is like explicitly sexual, which not all BL is, and is very famous for pretty terrible anatomy. Big ol' hands. You may have heard the term yaoi hands, which like there's a, a number of really great classic covers from like the early age of the yaoi boom where you'll have the top, the semi, having his hand like cover the entirety of like the bottom's face. Being like, I'm caressing you, but it's just like his entire head cradled <laughs> in one big sweaty palm. <laughs> so yeah, so there's like some really noodle, noodly, small head, big legs, looks like something out of a clamp series. If you don't know who Clamp is, look up Tsubasa or Code Geass. They did the character designs for that. Anyway, so art's one thing. There is no plot. <laughs> you see attempts of plot coming up and like, like being made, but then he's like, actually, I changed my mind. Who is this guy? I don't know, and neither do you anymore. Yeah. Because we've gone two pages now, and so that's a character from two minutes ago. <laughs> Well, that's the other thing. Like, nothing comes up again. Like, concepts kind of show up and disappear. And not only that, but nothing is foreshadowed or built up. Things just happen, and then you have to fucking deal with it. We didn't even mention, like, the main purpose of the plot is that they're trying to find the quote-unquote Teppin, which I forgot the first time they said what it was, <laughs> and I spent the whole rest of the series just being like, what the fuck is the Teppin? Because they're like, we have to get the Teppin. I had to go back and read it and it's literally just acquiring the top position. Being the one gang to rule them all. And actually, speaking of One Piece, like, that's the other thing, is that there's no, like, literally zero originality in this, and everything this series does is just, again, taken from other mangaka who did it, like, five times better. Yeah. Resolve is similar to Emperor's Hockey from One Piece. It is brought up in a way that's very similar to Nen from Hunter x Hunter, where it's like, suddenly the main character finds out that there's, like, this whole world of magic power that like all the people he's fighting can use and that he can use too if he taps into it and he's like naturally gifted at it because of course he is but wait how is the SWAT gonna survive this attack oh don't worry he just happened to activate reverse resolve Inverse resolve, like, is very misleading. Like, they say that in universe. Yeah. Why didn't they call it inverse resolve then, which would have made substantially more sense as a name? Yeah. The reason why that shit tends to work in a lot of other manga is because a character's uh, power is tied directly <laughs> to their personality or their character. So if it was like he has inverse resolve or something because it's a reflection kind of of how much of an asshole he was, then, like, I would actually be a little more okay with it. That would have ruled actually. <laughs> Yeah, which that's the other thing. This character is an asshole, and he's also, like, a fighting genius, and he constantly has good things happen to him, and he gets rewarded for being a massive piece of shit throughout the entire manga. He has absolutely no reason to grow or change as a character. Why the fuck would he? Just by being an asshole, there are, like, these two hot girls who have crushes on him, and he's about to be, like, the strongest person in the entire high school, and everyone's gonna worship him, and he hasn't had to grow or change at all throughout the whole thing. There is a single hint of character development, which we'll talk about in the positive. My positive list for this manga was very short, so it very much stood out to me <laughs> as something to actually say, oh, look, you didn't fucking drop the ball at all times, you just kicked it around a lot. <laughs> it's true. To wrap it up real quick, the characters were designed, he, like, stole from Kubo, like, and Bleach. Mm -hmm. The way that Resolve is used is, like, a Bankai from Bleach, which is, like, a way that they, like, basically power up their weapons in Bleach. There is literally nothing to recommend this series. <laughs> For reference, so in Bleach, the people in Bleach have this thing called Shikai and Bankai, where they release their energy and it transforms their weapon, which is literally what happens is when you release your Resolve, like, this dude has, like, a kitchen knife that turns into, like, a huge sword, and it's literally how Bleach works. <laughs> yeah. And at one point, someone's weapon is exactly the same weapon that the main character Bleach has. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's also, I mentioned it earlier, but, like, the reason why these powers work in other manga is that, like, you let a character suddenly have a visual representation of their own personality, which does not happen here. Nope. The quote-unquote resolve doesn't seem to correlate at all with, like, who the character is or their goals or what they want to do. Isn't the point of resolve that it's, like, electricity or some shit? They try and, like, have, like, a scientific explanation for magic powers, which is never a good idea. No. The explanation is, like, it's key, essentially. Yeah. He literally says, somebody says key, Mabizaki literally says, you mean that fake thing that's in TV shows? I hate this series. <laughs> I also want to talk about there's, like, no sense of world building. Like, he hints that it's, like, set in, like, a post-apocalyptic world, and then they literally never show anything about it. <laughs> okay, so the thing that this reminded me the most of is, David remembers this, um, I don't know if you're aware of this, Audrey, in Newgrounds, which was a Flash cartoon website, when I was in middle school, there was a series called Shin, X-I-N, <laughs> and it's literally, like, I mean, it's better than this, actually, but it's, like, like the same setting where there's a new transfer student and he's like a real big fighter and he's gonna beat up everybody in the school. I mean, it sucks, but it's better than this. And I just got massive shit in flashbacks the whole time. Yeah, I mean, for a 15-year-old flash cartoon that's probably done by someone in like college, it's not the worst thing I've ever seen. For the time, it was like, okay. Yeah, I was a solid fingers girl myself, so I can't. Uh... Yeah. Salad fingers would fit in real well because the artist, he seems to just not be able to draw hands. <laughs> their thumbs and pinkies are like literally half the size of their other fingers. <laughs> it's like, that's a birth defect, honey. <laughs> yeah, like when he flips someone off, literally if you compare his like middle finger to his face, it would go from the chin to the rim of his glasses. <laughs> And he does flip you off. The first thing that happens in this manga is he flips you off, I think. Yeah. And then my last note is in terms of the art, I feel like a drinking game for this is how many times is there a shot of someone like standing badass and there's a group of knocked out people standing around them? Because I'm pretty sure that shot happens at least four times in 20 chapters. You're so right. That does happen a lot. I also do want to mention one panel where somebody says, like, the more power we have, the better. And I'm just like, why? What are you trying to do? The main character, uh, Minabizaki, his stated goal for fighting is that he wants to beat up or slaughter, as he says, all of the delinquents in the school so that he can study in quiet. So he can work for NASA. Yeah, so he can work for fucking NASA. And build his UFO. Oh, God. Fucking whatever. Also, I want to be very clear here. We've talked about him wanting to build a UFO. It is explicitly a UFO, not a spaceship, a UFO. This series fucking is bad. It's fucking bad. <laughs> <laughs> One of the main issues with SWAT is that there is never any sense of any direction in it. Yeah. Exceedingly clear that the mangaka had no idea what he wanted to do with the series from the beginning and mm -hmm. basically threw entire pots of spaghetti at the wall, hoping that something would stick. Yeah. You do get like plot points coming up, but they are like resolved almost immediately after and they come out of nowhere. Yeah. At some point around chapter 18 or whatever, suddenly there's genetic mutations. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's someone who's, like, doing medical experiments, <laughs> and then it just, like, stops. I mean, the, the manga ends, but, like, it's three chapters total. Everything you're saying, I'm, like, vaguely remembering. <laughs> I wanted to point out that, like, there were attempts at plot, but they were so bad that, like, nothing ever came of them. And that's a fair point. Jordan, I know we've discussed quite a few things about the series that really didn't work out, but why don't you tell some of the things that you thought it did well? You say some of the things... As if there's, like, <laughs> a group of things that I think this manga did well. <laughs> I mean, there are moments where the art is fine. I mean, it's like, it's a ripoff of Tite Kubo, and sometimes that looks okay. But, like, I mean, the closest thing to, like, something I was kind of interested in is, um, there does start to be some conflict. We, we kind of already touched on it, though, between the characters when there's, like, a love triangle. Mm hmm like, that starts to have something good happen to it, sort of, but it doesn't go anywhere. Literally, the only things I can think of that are good were stuff that I described in Hasano's section. Yeah. Occasionally, you'll get a panel that has the main character saying something like, What are you doing to my head? That head holds the greatest brain in the universe. It's really bad, but it's funny. And in that sense, there are moments where there's, like, funny stuff that happens, I guess, so that's pretty good. <laughs> Fair. 
I thought I would have a couple things to say during like the what it did well part, but like, man, I don't really, I don't really know. I, there's stuff that it could have done, but we'll get into that later. This was definitely another series where it seems like the worse the manga, the better like you could have salvaged it. Though actually, I guess Dark Mage is the exception because you actually really like that one, but that still like had a really cool idea. I didn't really like Dark Mage. It was the only series you haven't said as a flop so far. Yeah. I liked it. I didn't really like it. <laughs> okay, Jordan, number one Dark Mage fan, Jordan. Oh, uh, yeah, my favorite fucking manhwa ever, fucking Dark Mage. <laughs> Best manga ever. Been a manga, bruh. Fuck everything. <laughs> Best comic ever. Honestly, you know what? Fuck you, Spider-Man. Fuck you, you Watchmen. Dark Mage is coming for you. I just looked, Dark Mage isn't even a manga, though. Yeah, <laughs> it was an accident. I was like, ah, oh, fuck. When we noticed it, I was like, why are the sound effects Korean? And we were like, oops. <laughs> Look out, the podcast police are going to come after us. Guys, we're playing pretty fast and loose with that one. Yeah, I, I thought about just canceling the show after that. Yeah, it's true. The word jump is in the name, Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> okay, back to it. Audrey, how about you? What were some highlights of your delightful experience reading SWAT? <laughs> funny okay yeah there is i can't actually remember what the panel is but there there is one panel where you see like a little bit of growth where he's like i need to protect my friends yeah these people first of all are my friends so you get that acknowledgement which was like dragged out of him like pulling teeth (laughs) so you get the acknowledgement that these people are his friends and that like you have a moral obligation to help your friends like (laughs) He's such a fucking asshole. He really is. I mean, he flips everyone off, so it's not like they were subtle about if he's a nice person. Yeah, but like, again, he just gets rewarded for being an asshole. It's true. Also, there are a couple moments, actually, where he gets his ass beat, which I find very rewarding, personally, as a reader. He needed his ass beat. Those were fun. I wish there was more times where his ass got beat. Also, they do fight literal Nazis, and always good to see a Nazi go down, I guess. Yeah. The only person that had more than one thing that they thought was positive. <laughs> there was one panel I thought was legitimately hilarious, which is when they're in the exam and there's like, there's a sign saying you can't bring weapons in the exam and you see like knives and swords and shit on like a table next to the exam room, which I thought was legitimately the only like actually funny thing that ever happened in this entire manga. Yeah. I think that didn't even like strike me as like even a joke at that point because I was just like checked out, man. <laughs> Yeah, I've, I was just looking for something good in this series. Sugita Naoya, I hate reading your series and I will not help you with your anatomy homework. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of funny, but I've just read that. I was like, that's fucking stupid, whatever. <laughs> I also thought that there is the slightest, slightest sliver of character <laughs> development when the main character actually says there's more important things than taking tests. But the problem was, is of course, that was chapter six. So it wasn't like it was really earned. The writer clearly knew he needed the main character to say at some point, but he just shot like the one like good like interesting character development he could have had way too fast yeah I also appreciated that there was a Gurren Lagann reference where for reference Gurren Lagann is by far the best anime ever made I've probably seen it maybe seven or eight times and it's about the idea of how the catchphrase is believe in the me that believes in you and as long as the chance of something happening isn't zero it can still happen and so there's literally a sign where he says as long as there's a 0.01% chance and my friends believe in me it's going to happen and naturally the main character is overpowered so he wins that fight but I really really just want to believe that the manga at least seen one anime that wasn't horseshit in his life. And Hunter Hunter and Bleach. <laughs> True. I mean, he's seen One Piece, clearly. <laughs> I really can't believe he wasn't an assistant on Bleach. That's true. Yeah. Well, uh, Bleach, um, the first half of Bleach. No, the art would look better if he was. So to turn to my favorite part, which is what could have happened, I had a few ideas and I'd love to know what you guys think of these ideas and of course your ideas as well. But the main one I was thinking is what if this was like, have you guys seen that movie Stand and Deliver? No. It's about this math teacher who, like, has to teach these, like, really hard-boiled, like, violent kids math. Oh. And I was thinking, what if it was like that, where he legitimately couldn't fight? And so he has to, like, survive this harsh school environment by, like, getting protection by teaching kids how to actually be good at school. So, like, they'll teach him, like, how to, like, use the, you know, the fucking key system. I forget the name of the fucking off-brand name for it. Resolve. So they teach him how to resolve, but in return, he teaches them, you know, like, how to read or, you know, how to do calculus. And <laughs> I just thought maybe they should just rip off JoJo and have stands and really call it stand user and deliver. 
<laughs> That's not a serious part of the suggestion. I just wanted to make that really stupid joke. <laughs> you fucking nerd. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, it eventually makes the SWAT team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the SWAT team. But yeah, so that that's how I would have redone this series. Because they made him both smart and super powerful, so I'm like, where does he go from here? So I sort of went in a different direction. For some reason, what this manga reminded me of, do you guys remember that cartoon Fillmore? Yeah, it was about the guy who was like a detective in middle school or something, right? It was like a Saturday morning cartoon where like the main character is a hall monitor, but it's treated like a police procedure. All the conflicts are like, oh, who pulled this prank on this teacher or something? All the characters treat it like it's a fucking murder and stuff. Mm -hmm. It was great. But my idea here was like, what if they all talk like this, but none of them were actually good at fighting? <laughs> The whole thing was just like, I am the boss of this area. But like, it's not like they're superhuman or anything. The whole thing is just them like bluffing and shit. Because that's what fucking teens do, <laughs> you know? What if the main character is a straight man to this crazy fighting universe where it keeps noting how nothing about the universe makes sense? <laughs> and it's kind of like a one punch man vibe where it's just like plays on how insanely stupid this premise is. Yeah, I feel like the author sort of was trying to do a one punch man thing. <laughs> For a little bit. Yeah. But it was stupid. <laughs> Do you have any idea about what could have happened, Audrey? Yeah, so I've mentioned it a few times. There are sort of attempts at plots there. And I think if any of them were actually followed through, you could have had something interesting. You have a school that's like terrorized and like run by gangs and like, again, hinted at in being like a post-apocalyptic setting. And you have a teacher who sees Manabizaki and she's like, you are actually going to listen to me because you're the only one here who actually listens to authority. And you actually might have the power to stop everyone else. <laughs> and like towards the end, they started having like DBZ syndrome where like people they beat started joining them. That is the exact plot of Shin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. TV Tropes page, they'll call it Defeat Means Friendship. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've always referred to it as DBZ syndrome, but, you know, whatever you want to call the very common trope of defeating your enemies and then becoming your allies. He ends up getting, like, a coalition of, like, seven people really around him of, like, people he's defeated and who are like, we're going to ally ourselves with you. I could have seen this, like, had any of this been actually followed and dug deeper into, like, an actual interesting plot of Manabizaki basically being pulled into leading these this very like disparate group of people into throwing a basically a revolution at the school and creating a safe place. What I would have loved to see would be something like creating the school that he was tricked into believing it was. Oh, that would be cool. That would be satisfying too, because then it would be like, oh wow, you set this up in like chapter one and like it's like the culmination of everything. Yeah, exactly. I think that would have been really cool. I'm a writer. <laughs> Hire me. Hire me to write your manga. Please sponsor us, Shonen Jump. <laughs> Having that and, like, saying, like, you can succeed and do this through Teppin, and then, like, the absolutely insane other plot points that come up would actually make more sense. So, like, one of the, like, craziest things about this, which we didn't talk about at all, is that, like, in the last chapter, it's revealed that the principal had something to do with all of this. Oh, yeah! <laughs> like, it is nuts! The last three chapters introduce this, like, medical mutagen oh, God. that the leader of this other gang introduces that literally kills people within an hour, by the way. Yeah, holy shit! <laughs> Literal actual death. He, like, injects Iwashita with it, and, like, Iwashita goes, like, into this, like, crazy, strong zombie, essentially, <laughs> and then starts dying. Those three chapters is just like, okay, the time crushes on now for us to, like, beat the leader of this gang, get the cure and save Yoshida and then it's revealed at the end that like the principal was like in cahoots yeah was in cahoots with a plan that would have killed a bunch of students right so like I think there's something there that, like, if you say, like, this is actually, like, a corrupt governing body of the school using gangs to keep control of its students under an iron fist, and, like, the real answer is revolution. <laughs> Again, it would explain all these things. It's like, how does this person have access to this, like, ridiculous mutagen? Oh, it's because he's being, like, supported by the literal ruling body of this organization. Yeah. I think that could have been really interesting, but alas... Also, there are aspects of this manga that I think, at least, like, on their face, could have turned into something interesting. Because, like, one of the things about Manabazaki is that, um, 
He's a guy who one of the big initial conflicts is that he develops a crush on Hasuno. So it's like you have this character who goes from not caring about anybody to suddenly he's having like this sexual awakening moment. And he has to like, Gross. I know, but like he has to like deal with uh, <laughs> these new emotions and stuff. There's something there, but it's not here. Yeah, it's about like a guy who has to learn to open himself up to other people, which is, I think, what it's supposed to be about, but it isn't. Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then on that note, Jordan, would you like to lead us into miscellaneous spots? Ooh, that was a good segue. Well done, David. Yeah, there's Nazis in this out of fucking nowhere. Hot take, but Nazis are bad. This is an all Jewish podcast right now. All three of us are Jews. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're not fans of Nazis. This is the experience of reading this. Like, this guy shows up. He's not dressed in a particularly different way from anybody else. He looks exactly like a typical generic blonde-haired anime character. This is chapter three, by the way. Yeah. And they just present him as, oh, yeah, that guy, he's uh, the Fuhrer of the Swastika gang. Like, there's a Swastika gang. And he's the Fuhrer. I read Swastika originally, and I was like, all right, well, you know, the Swastika wasn't originally a Nazi symbol. It's like a symbol in Hinduism. Yeah. I was willing to give it the benefit of the doubt. No, he's like, I'm the Fuhrer. And I was like, cool. <laughs> I was watching this like Del Toro cartoon where they had to deal with like pseudo-Nazis and they kept calling their leader the Kaiser. And I always wondered like how long into the production of the show they were like forced to swap the word Fuhrer for Kaiser. <laughs> like how many steps of people before someone's like, dude, you can't call the leader of these people a Fuhrer in a children's show. You have to call him a Kaiser. And that was like the best they could say. I just watched Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood and did they call him a Fuhrer in the version that ran on Adult Swim? Yeah, King Fuhrer Bradley. Dude, they had Justice League fighting Nazis on Cartoon Network, so, like, yeah, that was fine. Like, Hitler shows up in Justice League. Oh, yeah, he does. So they can totally call someone a Fuhrer. <laughs> Listen, guy, you can't show too much cleavage, but by God, if you want to fucking punch a Nazi, you're goddamn right you can on Cartoon Network. That's good. <laughs> it was just very shocking and came out of fucking nowhere. <laughs> And it's like, they're not really Nazis. There's no Nazi ideology. The only thing related to a Nazi iconography is they have a swastika flag. I would honestly be a little more okay with it if it was like, oh, they weirdly dress like Nazis. Because then it's just like, okay, you have a reason why you're calling them that. Yeah. For funsies. Yeah, literally for funsies. Guys, what if, like, it had connected more into academics and these guys were, like, the grammar Nazis? <laughs> And they, like, ran the English department. He had to, like, get their favor to, like, get the books he needed for, like, writing a report. You're just writing better manga. They're goddamn Nazis. Like, you mean, like, literal Nazis or, like, grammar Nazis? And you're like, both. Soup Nazis? And they took the cafeteria staff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, just this series should have been the main character fighting Nazis. This is just a really bad manga adaptation of Inglorious Bastards. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That sounds about right. Well, does anybody have anything else to say about this? Is there is there anything else to say about this? So miscellaneous thoughts. One thing that really stood out to me is how bathrooms are not sacred in this universe. <laughs> like there is no sense of privacy. The main girl like literally has like a dude break into the bathroom and like start attacking her. Or the main character is literally taking a dump and like his sidekick, the helmet coon, as I, I call him now, he like knocks the stall down. He's like, dude, you don't have time to take a shit. We gotta go beat people up. Oh yeah. I think that was actually the only like, I think successful piece of comedy for me. I, I think I laughed at that. <laughs> and then I also like how he did like the most definitive like creating a character 101 which is a good way to make a character feel like they have some sense of agency of saying what their dream is and I like how the guy was like oh that that's what good writers do I'm gonna do that but then I do nothing to build on why that's a good idea it is a legitimately good idea like literally that's how One Piece is built Yeah. but then he doesn't build off of your characters having goals like I think you said in the chat one character's goal is like oh yeah I, okay so the two female characters Hasuno and Okoku they both state their dreams in addition to the main character. And Hasuna wants to be a kindergarten teacher. Uh, Akoku wants to be a nurse. And at one point, she gets really angry at Hasuno because by teaching her martial arts and somehow getting her involved in this gang, she says she can no longer be a nurse. And I'm like, why? You're like 14. To be fair to the series, the implications there are the same ones that Hasuno had, that by being dragged into this world of not just like martial arts, but like specifically being in a gang, which she's like, you can't just leave gangs, that her academic career was over. Yeah. 
I guess you could say that this manga did a really bad job of establishing stakes and consequences of things. Go figure. It's almost like this is a bad manga, but I, I don't know that yet. We haven't gotten to our final verdict. So Jordan, I think that's a really great segue into talking about our final verdict. Let me get started, though, with the six-word summary. Ah, uh, yes. So what I had was, lack of plot shows my resolve. <laughs> Mine is fighting in school for no reason. Ooh, that's pretty good. I was trying to do, like, a play on a Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap, <laughs> <laughs> but something like manga concepts done much worse. I like it. <laughs> I told you, see, they should have just added Stans to this show, so the name Stand and Deliver would have been awesome. Filthy acts done for very little money. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Actually, that's what they call it in the, like, translated version. I know. I was like, man, she's really on it with that joke. <laughs> Part 7 of JoJo, I love it. David, I feel like Audrey might know more about anime than you, actually. <laughs> That's probably true. I, I don't even know anime. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm actually a little undecided if I want to say this is a flop or a certified flop. You know, I'm going to say this one is a certified flop. Its plot made no sense. Its art was mediocre at best. It drew people pretty terribly at worst. And I truly have felt like I lost, you know, an hour of my life reading this manga. Yeah. Oh, God, this is a fucking certified flop. I mean, I kept bouncing off this. Like, I kept trying to read it and just having to constantly, like, reread the pages because it, it just did such a bad job of gripping me or explaining things or being at all compelling. This is... <laughs> Certified flop. I feel like I can explain the plot of Beast Children better. Oh, God. I can follow Beast Children more than I can follow this. <laughs> and then how about you, Audrey? Oh, yeah, it's certifiable. My entire thought process while reading this was every single moment I'd rather be doing anything else right now. Yeah. Yeah. So that's going to be a certified for me, dog. <laughs> there we go. I usually try and read it twice. And then I like finished and I was like, I never want to touch the series again. It's just bad. I was like tired of looking at bad screen. Can't wait to look at good screen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go reread part seven to make myself feel better. Part seven of JoJo. Yeah, maybe you got to say that, David. <laughs> Yeah, we were like, Jordan, you gotta, you gotta make references. Oh, let, let me just say part seven out of context. Yeah. Steal, ball, run. Yes, I'm gonna go reread part seven of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure by Rocky called Steal, Ball, Run. Thank you. Thank you, David. I don't know if that gave enough context of what series I'm talking about. <laughs> Audrey, what would you say since you consider this a flop that someone can check out instead of reading this garbage fire of a manga? I would honestly say any of the series that this series steals from. Mm -hmm. So if you're interested in like people learning about being introduced to like a mysterious world of power that they didn't know existed beforehand, read Hunter Hunter. If you're interested in people using their willpower to like really distinguish themselves as fighters, Mm -hmm. then read One Piece or Bleach. If you want to read something that's, like, kind of funny and tongue-in-cheek about, like, fighting, read Gintama. Literally any of the series that this author blatantly plagiarizes. Yeah. <laughs> so, while I was reading this, I actually was reading another manga at the same time that was also kind of about a really powerful high schooler. It's called Baki. Mm -hmm. Baki is interesting. Uh, I don't know if I'd recommend it to everybody, but its art is very dynamic very and weirdly grotesque, but I really like it. Like, the way he draws muscles is bizarre, but, like, they all have weight and, like, motion to them, and it's the layouts and the compositions are just fantastic. If you want something like that, read Baki. And by the way, while I was struggling to get through one chapter of um, SWAT, I read, like, five Baki chapters in, like, almost no time. It just grabs you way better than this. <laughs> I know Super Eyepatch Wolf did like a video on how to get into Baki. If that sounds interesting, I'll link that in the description. For reference, Super Eyepatch Wolf is like this Irish dude who like looks at some like weird manga series and he talks about them. He's a pretty dope dude. Nothing at all to do with us. No, nothing to do with us. He's just, you know, free plug for that guy. <laughs> Yeah. With his 700,000 followers, I think he's doing okay. He's gonna pop off. He's gonna hit it big after. He's like, oh, Shonen Flop, you know, it gave me a shout out. Oh, jeez, now I'm really, really making it big. <laughs> and then for myself, I would say God of High School, which is literally about high school people fighting a lot. It just started, it was based actually on a manhwa, so I guess that's been on my mind. And it's literally about high school students just like fighting in tournaments, and it's just got a really awesome anime adaption. So definitely worth checking out. I think it's on Crunchyroll, and it's still going on right now, but yeah. 
yeah, if you want the same idea of high school students just being the shit out of each other, but not being terrible in every single possible aspect, I would recommend that. And shout out to my friend Jordan, not this Jordan, different Jordan. <laughs> I know two people named Jordan that recommended me to the series. So thanks for the recommendation, other Jordan. I only saw like the first episode. So thanks for reminding me to watch it because I enjoyed that. You're welcome, other Jordan. The last thing is just before we move to the next section is, would you say this is better than Dark Mage, the best series we've read so far? Fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> this has nothing going for it. No, it really doesn't. I'm waiting for us to read a series that was like, we're actually sad it got canceled. Yeah. I mean, I was kind of upset about Dark <laughs> So the next section I want to bring up is the shoutouts. So first of all, I want to, as always, give props to Jordan for creating the awesome theme song that plays at the start of every single episode. I also want to give props to Olivia, who drew this episode's cover art. Thank you, Aaliyah. And Nigel Francis, who is our generous art benefactor who helps pay for all the art being created for the show. I also want to thank Tim Plumidor, who is our awesome social media manager. And I also want to thank you, Audrey, for taking the time to join us today. Is there anything you'd like to give a shout out or plug? Yeah, absolutely. If you are interested in hearing me talk more about anime, please follow and listen to Pod of Greed, the Yu-Gi-Oh! podcast that I co-host and am very excited about finally finishing my Yu-Gi-Oh! PhD. Congratulations! When's your thesis defense? <laughs> yeah, it's been 20 years, but here I am. Nice! I do want to clarify, that's P-O-D podcast. Yes. It's not the card, it's a joke on the card. Yes, pod of greed. What does the card pod of greed do, though? It allows you to draw two cards from your deck. Oh, wow, that, that sounds like a good card. Yeah, it's great. I feel like you should have it in every single deck. <laughs> if only they ever explained what it does in the show. Ugh. <laughs> the other thing I would like to plug is that if you are all interested in pop culture criticism and hearing maybe different voices in pop culture criticism, my friend and I are starting a website that we are hoping to launch the Kickstarter for in October called The Reticulation. That's T-H-E-R-E-T-I-C-U-L-A-T-I-O-N, uh, which is going to focus on raising LGBTQ voices in the world of pop culture criticism. Again, you can find us at The Reticulation on Facebook. Twitter, and Tumblr. That's awesome. And then we will, as always, have links to all those projects in the description below. And then, Jordan, is there anything you want to give a shout out to this week? Please watch Doro Hidoro on Netflix because I love it so much and I want it to get a season two. Please, please do this for me. Please, I'm begging you. Do you know that I cosplay N? I didn't know that. That fucking rules. I gotta see pics. <laughs> and then the next thing I want to do is give a shout out to everyone who's written those reviews this week on the iTunes store. I really do want to iterate getting these reviews really helps us a ton be ranked higher. So a thanks to Chris from the Play Comics Podcast, Hi IMT, and Goon S for writing it. And if you'd like to be given a shout out on the show, all you have to do is just write us a review on iTunes or share the episode on Facebook or Twitter when they come out. It really does help us a ton and getting a bigger follower helps us create more and better episodes. So thank you to everyone who's really supported this project so far. Seriously, thank you so much. And then in terms of general shout outs, I want to give a shout out to my friend and his podcast. And I am not kidding. His podcast is called Dan Splaining. He's lived a very interesting life. <laughs> the famous Jewish comedian from like, uh, from the court jester? It is not him, but you can pretend it is if it makes you go listen to his podcast. I will pretend it's him. And he said, as he explains political and pop culture of today and yesterday in a manner that can best be described as whimsical treachery, you can find his podcast at soundcloud.com forward slash Danny F-C-K-N-G-K. You want to repeat that word you said there? Something treachery? Whimsical treachery. Okay. Whimsical. That's the word. Okay. Should I just re-say that one? <laughs> I don't know. I think it's funny. <laughs> Okay, and I'll put a link in the description below. I also want to give a shout out to my friend Kevin LaBuzz. He has a really cool newsletter called Below the Line where he talks about a lot of like business topics, world news, and from like a really cool financial perspective because that's the industry he works in. So it's really cool if you want to learn more about like business and like how things are kind of running the world. I also want to give a shout out to the Argonauts podcast. It's really cool. I oh shit, I love the Argonauts podcast. There you go. Yeah, he reached out to us on Twitter and I was like, oh wow, this is a sick podcast. So Whoa, what? Small world, right? Fuck yeah, I love Argonauts. So hopefully we'll have him on in an episode soon. Oh, that would rule. And then finally, I want to say I was actually on a podcast that should be coming out around the time this episode comes out, the Play Comics podcast, where I got to go full nerd and really help Chris, the host of that podcast, learn all about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. So look forward to that and me just kind of making a fool of myself talking about an anime that I'm probably way too passionate about, to be honest. I would agree you might be a little too passionate about it, but I will be on there at some point talking about 
Fist of the North Star. I'm very excited. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining us. You can find Shonen Flop on Facebook and Twitter at Shonen Flopcast and our website ShonenFlop.com. We're also on Spotify and iTunes. This has been David. This has been Jordan. This has been Audrey. And you've been listening to Shonen Flop. Hey, keep on flopping, floppers.